Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, and I want to start this episode with a quick thank you to all the thousands of you that sent me messages and happy birthdays and shared my 18th sober birthday with me. I was actually in Scottsdale. I set up a meet and greet coffee so I could meet some of you, my listeners, because I'm dying to meet you all in real life. And some of my closest friends and clients who have worked with me in my Renew You personalized coaching program came out and we spent they spent the afternoon with me and it was incredible. We caught up and we laughed all afternoon and I'm so grateful for all of you who took the time to come out and meet me and it was an incredible sober birthday weekend. It's crazy to think I've been doing this for so many years, but being 18 years sober also means I've officially been a life coach for 16 years. I took my first life coach certification course. I was just two years sober, having no idea what that could turn into, right? And look at us now, you and me, taking over the world together, one sober soul at a time. And being sober really is the greatest accomplishment of my life. And I knew at just four months sober, I knew I wanted my whole life to revolve around recovery and helping people experience the same miracle I was experiencing. And that miracle was just not drinking anymore and growing up into a functioning adult. That's really what recovery is. It's looking at all those pieces we've avoided and drank to numb and avoid and stay in denial. It's looking at all those pieces and to successfully stay sober, we have to deal with those pieces and heal them and start behaving like adults in the areas that we didn't really mature before. And our topic today is one of those most common struggles of recovery, and that's overthinking. Research shows 73% of 25 to 35-year-olds chronically overthink, along with 52% of people 45 to 55. Chronically overthinking. I was blown away when I read that. I had no idea those numbers were so high. It might feel to you like you're the only one laying awake at night, dwelling on a decision you made earlier in the day or worrying about tomorrow's to-do list. And if you're nodding your head yes right now because you're an overthinker, you're not alone. We live in this fast-paced, demanding world, and it's easy to fall in the trap of overthinking, but it can be detrimental to your mental health, productivity, your overall well-being. It leads to anxiety and stress and even depression. 
And while overthinking itself is not a mental illness, it is associated with all those conditions, anxiety, depression, also eating disorders and substance use disorders. Ding, ding, ding. Here we are. (laughs) The great news is it's a habit, right? And we have full control of our habits. A little dedication and practice, the right strategies and mindset, and you can overcome this thing and get some peace of mind. We're going to talk about what overthinking is and why we do it, how it affects you and impacts your daily life, and then we'll explore techniques, effective techniques that actually work to stop overthinking and regain control of your thoughts again. And if you want extra coaching so that I can personally help you with your recovery at the end of the episode, I'll let you know what to do next. But for now, let's just focus on the show, but I promise I'll tell you about that later. Before we dive into the strategies to stop overthinking, it's important to understand what it is and why it happens. So I want to start with just a basic definition. I was surprised how simple this was, actually. <laughs> the overthinking is defined as uncontrollable thoughts in excess. So it's the process of constantly analyzing, replaying, obsessing over past events or worrying excessively about future events. It's all the repetitive thoughts and negative self-talk, which is all exhausting and completely counterproductive to the happy life that you want and deserve, right? Like none of this is getting you where you want to be. And overthinking is fueled by fear, uncertainty, and a desire for control. And with that is perfectionism, low self-esteem, lack of confidence. And I want to talk about this for a second too, because you don't always know how to identify these things in yourself, right? I often hear people say like, oh no, I'm not controlling. That's just not my personality. Or I don't have perfectionism. That's not something I struggle with. And this actually just happened to me in a session with a client just the other day. My client, Mandy, who is in my Renew You program, she joined us at three days sober and she's now around 18 months. Shout out to Mandy. And she's doing great. Her life is completely unrecognizable from what it was when we started. And she gave me permission to share this story. So I'm not putting her business on front street without permission. I definitely asked first. But we talked about how this shows up in daily life, control and perfectionism. And we talked about a situation she recently had with her husband. And her husband was really upset. And I helped her kind of see where he was coming from. And I know you'll relate to the story. So many of us have these kind of stories. And you're going to relate to this really well. So she went out of town with her girlfriends for a few days. She left her husband to handle all the things, right? Household, kids, carpool, everything. Now you're probably thinking, oh, awesome. She gets to go relax for a few days and not worry about anything. But here's where it went wrong. She literally spent an entire day typing out a multi-page document that broke down every moment of the kids and husband's days while she was gone. Like, exactly what time to get up, 
what to make for breakfast, what outfits to put them in, how to drop them off for school, down to exactly what lane to drive in and like who to say hi to, all the way to when to do loads of laundry, the precise process for how to do the laundry, how long it should take, how it should be folded, yada, yada, yada. You get my point. Now, in her head, she was being helpful. For her husband, it felt very different. Her husband was like, I'm a grown freaking man who knows how to care for our children and knows how to feed them and dress them and knows how to do laundry. And really, when you dig into it, she wasn't being helpful. She was trying to control all the details and make it perfect so that she could feel better. Instead of going out of town and relaxing and enjoying herself with her girlfriends, she was already overthinking all the things and stressing out about everything not being done, quote unquote, right, because then she was going to have to fix everything that wasn't done her way when she got home. Can you relate to this? I have lived this. <laughs> I bet a lot of you probably had similar situations and similar arguments with your partners about these kind of things. So I was like, Mandy, we got we have to fix this. So we took one session with she and I to break down that particular situation, but also other ways this shows up in her life. Then we took another session with her and her husband to get some good, solid communication and actually resolve the issue because we didn't want there to be any residual feelings that weren't dealt with, right? That's how things get brought up over and over and over again. It's when you don't resolve it to the point that everybody feels good, when there are still things left unsaid and feelings that weren't validated or minimized, right? That's when we bring up things from the past over and over again. I did not want that to happen for them, especially with the situation that really was so easily fixable. So we resolved the issue, no residual feelings, and she's made huge progress like immediately. Really talking through it and understanding how her actions made her husband feel, that had a huge impact for her, right? So she was happy to kind of start letting go of some of that control and understanding like he is a grown freaking man. He knows how to take care of their kids, right? He knows how to dress them. He knows how to feed them. He knows how to take them to school. <laughs> so she had huge progress immediately. But laying out every detail and having an expectation that things be done precisely your way isn't helpful. It's controlling and perfectionism. And we can get stuck in this mindset that things need to be just right for us to be okay. And that's not fair to the people around us. And again, it's not getting you where you want to go. It's not getting you to the happy life that you really want. We can struggle with this kind of control and perfectionism in a lot of ways too. You know, when we're going somewhere, we're going to an event, especially if it's something you already have anxiety about and you don't necessarily want to go, 
we'll get in this mindset, like if it's not just right, then we're not happy. You know, if the lighting's not just right, if the temperature is not just right, if the food's not just right, if the people aren't just right, then we're not happy and it's not fun. And sometimes we pout and sometimes we're just negative, right? Like nothing has to be exactly our way. And it's really beneficial when you can start letting go of some of that stuff, right? It's okay to go to a thing and have the food not be great. Like who cares? It's one tiny detail of a whole situation that you can get a lot of value and fun from. So I just wanted to give some examples so you can start picking it out in your own life and how you might fall into these traps because it's easy to fall into the trap. I remember my sponsor saying to me once, he was like, Angela, when someone helps you or does something nice for you, you say, thank you. You don't get irritated that they didn't do it quote unquote, right. You know, you don't get mad. They didn't do it your way. Just say, thank you. That was a huge eye-opener for me. Also because I grew up with a perfectionist, right? If the towels weren't folded exactly the right way, then it was a failure. If the dishes were, if I put the dishes in the dishwasher and it wasn't done my mom's way, then it was considered wrong. And she will, to this day, take all the dishes out and redo it. And that is extremely damaging, right? And for me, because it made me feel like I never did anything right and I was never good enough. I didn't make her happy. And then all the fear comes in, right? It made me scared to do things because I knew I would always be wrong. And then I would withdraw. And then that would make her mad because I wasn't contributing to the household and helping out. Do you see this vicious cycle? You know, it's damaging to the people around us. And those tendencies, control, perfectionism, are a part of overthinking because the overthinking is what drives the behavior. Overthinking about what will happen if it's not all done right, if you have to do it over again, if it will be okay, will everyone survive? This is a really common tendency too among those of us who are highly analytical people or have a tendency to overanalyze, which is everybody with any kind of addiction issues, right? Because we have brains that move very fast and we are people with anxiety. So of course we're going to be overanalyzing situations and highly analytical of everything. But anybody can fall into the trap of overthinking, like regardless of personality type or any of that. So we've talked about a lot of the negative effects of overthinking really on the people around us and what those behaviors look like, but there's also a lot of negative effects on your mental and emotional well-being, right? Increased anxiety. We talked about that a little bit, but overthinking can make your anxiety level go up and then your mind gets consumed with worry in the anticipation of negative outcomes, right? We just anticipate it's going to be bad and then your anxiety goes up. Productivity, reduced productivity. Overthinking is a major productivity killer. You spend too much time overanalyzing and second guessing and then it's hard to make any decision or take any action. Negative self-talk. There's a lot of negative self-talk and self-criticism in overthinking. And most of us, like this, this is a habit, right? So we really 
create and build this habit over the course of many years usually. So think about how much negative self-talk and that self-criticism over the course of years can erode your self-confidence and your self-esteem. Like this is brutal. Another one is poor sleep quality. It interferes, overthinking interferes with your ability to relax and fall asleep. And I know you can relate to that. This is a huge issue for people in recovery because our brains move so fast, right? We have those racing thoughts and we're worrying and that's what keeps you up at night. So if you're sleep deprived, right, you're already tired, you've got the fatigue and then you wake up the next day and eat some crappy food. It's like, we're a hot mess around here, you know? And then also the impact on relationships, like we've talked about already, overthinking creates strain in your relationships. And then that creates excessive worry and doubt. It also can make us overly sensitive and reactive, which creates unnecessary conflict and misunderstanding. We've talked about all these things already. But that sensitivity, I really want to talk about this for one second. If you are overly sensitive and reactive about things, it's usually because they're true. And I want you to be really mindful of this. When someone you love is giving you feedback about yourself and you don't like it and you want to explode and overreact and how dare you say that to me and, well, you think I'm this, well, you're that and that and that. You know what I mean? You want to overreact. You're sensitive to those topics. That sensitivity comes because there is truth in what they're saying. So really look at that. And if you can get to a place of emotional maturity where you can say, oh, wow, yeah, I see that. I see what you're talking about. I do need to work on that. Yeah, you're right. I I do do that. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. Right? Just own your shit. It's okay. We all have shit. Just own it. But that sensitivity comes because there is truth in whatever they're saying. So self-awareness is a huge, huge key point in all of this. So have that self-awareness. Now let's talk about the types of overthinking. There are nine types of overthinking, which is kind of crazy in itself. And we've touched on a lot of these just in the stories and examples that I've shared. So number one type of overthinking, worrying about the future. This is when you are continuously stressed out and kind of panicked that something bad might happen or you might not get something you want. How am I going to do this? Am I going to have enough money? Is it going to be okay? Worrying about the future. Number two is ruminating about the past. This is incessantly dwelling on a mistake you made or continuously replaying a time, a situation, a person where you were hurt or disappointed and you're just replaying it over and over and over again. I'll tell you one of the most unfortunate things I see in human beings is we spend a lot of time in two places and that is the past and the future. And the reason that's not great is because we are not present in the moment and enjoying our lives and what's happening right now. When your head is constantly upset about something in the past or constantly worried about what might or might not happen in the future, then you're not present in your life. No wonder you don't feel happiness, right? Because you're in two places that don't exist anymore, you know, don't exist anymore or don't exist yet. And we're going to talk about mindfulness here in a minute too, because this is a huge piece of overcoming overthinking. 
So future and past. Number three is um, big picture overthinking. This is like really thinking big picture things and kind of stressing about it. Like, who am I? What is my purpose? Uh, am I in the right job? Am I in the re- right relationship? Am I screwing up my kids? Like really big picture stuff and overthinking those issues. But listen, sometimes thinking thinking about things, of course, can be helpful. But when that thinking becomes uncontrollable or excessive, then it's no longer productive and it's not helpful. And that just leaves you feeling overwhelmed, panicked, sad. And again, none of that's going to get you where you're trying to go with the kind of life you're trying to have. Number four is mind reading. This is when you're constantly thinking you know what other people are thinking, you know, or what other people are thinking about you. We do this a lot in relationships too where maybe we don't feel great about something we did or something we said or some behavior. And in your head, you're like, oh, well, I bet they're thinking this. I bet they think I did this. I bet they think I did this because I'm this. You know, really mind reading, like you know what somebody else is thinking. This can also come up when in a public situation, like say you're at a party, even a dinner party, and maybe you're quiet, right? I get really quiet. I'm an introvert. So I typically need one person to connect with. Like I do great one-on-one. I'm not great. Like I'm not going to be talking across the table. I'm not good at small talk because I'm an introvert. I like to talk about deep things. So we can easily get into a place of worrying or obsessively thinking about what others think of us, right? Do they think I'm weird? Do they not want to talk to me? Do they think something's wrong with me? Do they think I don't like them? I wonder if everybody thinks I'm a loser. (laughs) All those things, right? It's mind reading, just thinking about what other people are thinking about you. Number five, indecisiveness. This is when you get hung up on relatively simple decisions like where to eat or what to wear, and you overthink. And this makes having to make a choice of any sort, like throws your brain into overdrive and you can't help but think about all the possible consequences of your decision. I think really indecisiveness is because you're scared to make a wrong choice. So you think about all the consequences. Oh my gosh, if I do this instead of this, how will that be? What's going to happen? And then it makes you completely indecisive and you can't make a decision about anything. Number six over-reading into things. An example of this is like when a small problem occurs and then your mind goes into overdrive thinking of all the catastrophes that will happen as a result. Catastrophizing things, kind of blowing them out of proportion, just over-reading into it, making it bigger than it actually is. Number seven, hopeless thoughts. Hopeless thoughts can be really sad and heartbreaking, and it's usually either about the future or about your circumstances, who you are, what your life is like, and thinking excessively and uncontrollably about like, I'll never get better. I'll never feel better. Things will never be better. I'll never be able to do this. Those are hopeless thoughts. Number eight is worthless thoughts. And this is that self 
self-talk and self-criticism that we were talking about, right? It's worthless thoughts about yourself. I'm an idiot, right? You're so stupid. I can't believe you did that. You're fat. You're not good enough. All that stuff that kind of goes on in our heads consistently. Most of us really struggle with this stuff consistently daily. That's not uncommon. So don't feel weird if you fall into that category. I fall into that category that category also. I am constantly working on my self-talk. And the last one, number nine, is mental chatter. I did a whole episode about this, and I'll link it in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to it. It's tools you can use to fight the never-ending mental chatter, something like that. But I'll link it in the show notes so you can go listen to that one too. It's, it has a lot of great information and great tools in it. You can get there right from your podcast app. But mental chatter is when your brain is constantly going and going and going and you can't make it stop. And it's usually about very trivial, unimportant things, but it's just going and going and going. So we've talked about the nine types of overthinking. Let's talk about strategies to stop overthinking. This is the good stuff. (laughs) So we understand the negative effects of overthinking, the types of overthinking. Let's talk about strategies to overcome this habit. I want to say self-awareness is key here. Recognizing when you're in one of these overthinking behaviors, then practicing the techniques to improve the situation and doing that over and over and over again. That's how you get better. But you have to be able to admit when you struggle with some of these challenges and then be willing to do the necessary things to change the habit. So one is practice mindfulness. And I touched on this just a few minutes ago. Mindfulness is, I feel like we hear this buzzword. It's another buzzword that's all over everywhere, but nobody's really, I think, explaining what does it actually mean. Mindfulness means being present in the moment, right here, right now, not freaking out about the past, not freaking out about the future, but where am I right here, right now? What's happening around me? How do I feel? What am I grateful for that's in front of me right now? You know, what is the person talking to me? What are they saying? And how can I listen and really be a part of this conversation? What are the things that I need to do today to get me closer to whatever my goals are? Right? That's mindfulness. It's just being fully present where you are right now today. And if you can be present in the moment and just observe your thoughts. Don't put a judgment on it. Oh, that's good. Or that's bad. I can't believe I'm thinking like that, right? Like there's no judgment. They're just thoughts. There's no judgment. Having crazy thoughts, negative thoughts, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. This isn't a defect, right? It's just thoughts. And we have all kinds of them. And sometimes they're wacky and sometimes they're fantastic. Sometimes they're really funny. Sometimes they're really dark. They're just thoughts. It's okay. But if you can look at it like that, it will help you detach from the racing thoughts and bring your attention back to the present. What's happening right now, right in front of me? Where am I? What am I doing? Who am I talking to? How can I make somebody else's day better? What do I need to do today, right? Get back in the moment, observe your thoughts without judgment, and just be in the moment. Now, 
a great thing to do. And I talk about, I do this several times throughout my day, right? It's like they say, practice mindfulness. That's what you hear or mindfulness meditations. All of that is fantastic. The thing I do all day, every day is deep belly breaths. It only takes a second. I can close my eyes, breathe, get refocused. What's going on around me? I do this especially because I'm so ADHD and I can get really overwhelmed. My to-do list is never ending and I can start spinning. Like I don't even know what to do next, where to start. And I will have to stop, close my eyes and just deep belly breaths and be like, okay, we're good. This is where we're at. What needs to be done first? And then just do that, right? You can also do actual mindfulness meditations and you can find them that are just a few minutes long. It doesn't have to be, you hear me say this all the time, you don't need to sit in a dark room with your legs crossed and your eyes closed for an hour, right? Or do it all day. You can do it, I do four or five times a day, a couple of minutes, right? Because that keeps my anxiety low. It keeps my baseline anxiety lower. So when something triggers me and my anxiety wants to skyrocket, I've got a lot more room to work with because I've kept my baseline low. So just get in the moment, you know, close your eyes for a second, do some deep belly breaths, listen to a quick meditation, get recentered and focused on the moment. Number two, challenge your thoughts. Overthinking is distorted thinking patterns and irrational beliefs. Challenge your thoughts and think like, is this really valid? Or does it even matter? Sometimes I'll catch myself thinking about things. I'm like, why am I even thinking about it? Like, this doesn't even matter. This isn't even a real thing, you know? <laughs> so really challenge your thoughts. Like, what am I thinking? How valid is it? Is there any evidence to say that this is valid or an actual situation that I need to have some concern about? Is there any basis for your worry? Or am I blowing things out of proportion? Most of the time for me, I'm definitely blowing things out of proportion or I'm thinking about things that I don't have any business thinking about. And that's why I get overwhelmed because I'll be thinking about a bunch of dumb stuff that's inconsequential and doesn't matter and non-existent and not even real instead of focusing on the simple things that I actually need to do, right? This is how silly this stuff can get, our thoughts can get. Um, next is set realistic goals. Perfectionism and high expectations fuel that overthinking. So really have some realistic goals for yourself and accept that everything is not going to be perfect. You can just get over it right now. There's no such thing as perfect. As soon as you get something perfect, then you figure out how to improve it. So there's no such thing as perfect. So embrace, what do we say in 12 steps? Progress, not perfection but have some realistic goals for yourself. Don't have an expectation that you're going to do 10 things today and get it done. And it's going to be perfect and problem free. Like that's not realistic. That's not even how life works. So understand like, okay, listen, I'm going to try to get these three things knocked out today, or I need to make sure I make this one phone call at some point before the day is over. And maybe you make the phone call and you don't even get to talk to the person that you needed to talk to. But listen, it doesn't have to be perfect. You made the phone call. That was the goal. You did your part. 
celebrate that. Next, of course, is engage in physical activity. I cannot express enough how important this is. I understand there are a lot of people in the world with chronic pain and issues that make physical activity challenging. And what I would challenge you to do if you're in one of those situations is get creative. There are so many things out now to help people with any kind of limitation. Google it. What kind of exercise can I do if I have hip problems? What kind of exercises can I do if I have knee problems? How can I do low impact exercise that's still good for me and benefits my brain? Google those things. But physical activity is not only beneficial for your physical health, it's your mental well-being. I exercise to keep my anxiety in check. Exercise for me is 99% about my mental health. Regular exercise reduces stress. It improves your mood. It will help you stay mindful and in the moment. It clears your mind of all the overthinking and the insanity. And it doesn't have to be hardcore, crazy exercise, right? Go for a walk with your dogs. Maybe for you, it's yoga. Maybe you're an athlete and for you, it's a sport. Any kind of physical activity is going to help you and help your brain. It's overall mental wellness is huge with physical activity. Next, practice self-compassion. Again, overthinking involves self-criticism and harsh judgments. Having self-compassion, treat yourself with kindness and understanding. Be gentle with yourself. Acknowledge that everyone makes mistakes and everyone faces challenges. I think a great way to frame this, this is what works for me, what has worked for me through the course of my sobriety for sure, is thinking about how I would treat a friend. Like I'll I'll think about whatever I'm going through. Certainly if I'm criticizing myself or being mad at myself, I'll think like if my friend called me with this exact same situation, what would I say? Or if a client for me, if my client called and had the situation, how would I treat it? Right? What would I tell them to do? Because I would never talk to my friends and clients the way I will talk to myself in my head. We can say some really mean shit to ourselves, but we would never treat a friend that way. So think of yourself as a friend and how would you handle a friend? You would have compassion. You would tell them, oh, wow, sorry you're going through that, but no, you did your best. You're doing a great job. You'll do better next time. You know, whatever the things are, we're so kind and supportive to other people. We need to have that same kindness and support for ourselves. So when you notice those self-critical thoughts, replace them with statements of self-compassion and remind yourself that you are doing your best and it's okay to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. So you may be wondering, how long does it take to stop overthinking? And, you know, changing habits is challenging. I want to be clear about that from the beginning. It doesn't matter what what habit you're changing. It's hard and it does take time, but the time it takes is going to be different for every person because it depends on so many different things like the severity of your overthinking, your willingness to change, what strategies you're using and how consistent are you being with them? How committed are you to it? 
I will tell you though, you can see improvements and feel better very, very quickly, especially with the right guidance and somebody to really help you kind of hash things out and figure out really what you're doing and where your thoughts are off. We're not great at seeing that stuff within ourselves, right? And this is where sponsors and coaches and therapists can be so beneficial because we need an outside point of view. And our families and spouses and partners are not always the people that we are willing to receive a message from, right? Your spouse is not always the person to tell you you're doing this or you're doing that because you're gonna get pissed off. So you have to have an outside person to really help you figure that stuff out. And you can improve, you can definitely feel relief immediately. And then it's just taking the long-term steps and really being committed to doing it. And if you're curious about some other tools that can be helpful, there are several apps and tools out there that can be really valuable. Um, There are mindfulness and meditation apps like Headspace and Calm. They have guided meditations and exercises to help calm the mind. Again, every human being on the planet should be doing that stuff all day, every day. Calm the mind. Take one minute and do something calming. There are also journaling apps like Day One and Journey, and those can be useful to express your thoughts and emotions and get it out of you, right? And that can help bring down some of that overthinking. And experiment with different apps and tools and find the ones that resonate with you and are comfortable for you. Because if it's not something you like, any tool or strategy we talk about, if it's not something you like, then you're not going to follow through. If it doesn't fit your lifestyle, you're not going to follow through. So you have to experiment with different things and find what works for you and what will keep you on track, what you'll continue using. Overthinking can really be pervasive for some people. It's more pervasive for some people than others. And I want to be clear also, if your thoughts are intrusive, really creating a lot of stress for you, or if your tendency to ruminate is starting to interfere with your life and interfere with your ability to function in daily life, that's a good time to seek guidance from a professional, right? Overthinking is a super common habit. Like I said, with that stat in the very beginning, 73%, I think it said, of younger people, 52% of 45 to 55, like those are crazy numbers. So this is a common habit, but it can have detrimental effects on your mental health and your overall well-being. Practice the mindfulness, challenge your thoughts, get some physical activity, have self-compassion. You can overcome all the overthinking habits and, and really get that peace of mind. Remember that change takes time and it takes effort. You're not going to change this habit through magic. You're going to have to put in some effort. Be patient with yourself and be committed, but have a plan and be dedicated to changing the habit. That's how you're going to make fast progress. With some persistence, the right strategies, you can get control of your thoughts, right? And that will allow you to live a more present and fulfilling life, which is what you really want. You want to be happy and fulfilled. That's what we all want. 
You are not alone in this journey. And I'm here as your personal life coach to guide you. If you want to work with me personally, you can apply to the Renew You personalized coaching program. I'd love to hear from you and see if we're a fit. And that's addictionunlimited.com forward slash call. And I will link that in the show notes so you can get there right from your podcast app. Also that other mental chatter episode will be linked in the show notes too. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.